You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Um, you know, that was a tough one um, for me, you know, um, B-Rob being my, um, one of my best friends on the team for the past, um, going on nine years, you know, um, you know, I was here when it was Jared, Kevin, um, Pat Williams, um, Latroy, Fred Evans, Jamie Mitchell. So, you know, we go way back and, um, you know, B-Rob, he, he, he was a, a great dude, a great person, a great man. Um, you know, um, I looked up to him, you know, he was a good dude to look up to. Um, you know, he did all the right things and that's what you strive for each and every day. And, um, you know, he's going to be missed big time. You know, um, you know, he did a lot of great things here. He has 60 sacks. Um, you know, he did a lot of great things. Um, and, you know, he'll be missed. Um, that, it was a hard one though, but, um, you know, the guy had a, uh, an awesome career, and and he played at a high level. Let, let me ask you guys this: Collar's hanging out with us, Mackie and Judd, uh, and this. So Collar would have watched most of these years from afar, having lived in Buffalo and covering the Buffalo Bills. But it'll be interesting to get this perspective too. And Judd, you covered a lot of these Vikings teams in the post Randy Moss era, the first era of Randy Moss. So from 2006 until now, so the last 12 years, who are the first five players you think of? When you think Vikings football, this this generation, this era of Vikings football, because I said Brian Robinson's probably on that list for me. He's not number one on that list, but he's probably on that list for me. Peterson number one in the Pulse Moss era okay. for me. Um, Antoine Winfield, yeah, Win- Winfield's a good one. Chad Greenway for sure. Jared Allen, ooh, Jared Allen. He'd be he'd be a little bit farther down my list than, than Kevin Williams would be higher than Jared than Allen. You would so. expect. Well, I'd say Pat. I loved Pat. Pat was great. Pat was Hot great. Garbage. Hot garbage. But Ke- Kevin Williams was Kevin Williams drafted by the Vikings. Is a fantastic player, yes. And played his entire well, actually he didn't play his entire career as a Viking because he went to was it Seattle at the end or something? Yes, he but did. most of his career as yes, a Viking. Yes, he did. And and then the Saints. All right, so I've got Peterson, Winfield, Greenway, Allen, Kevin. Okay. Those are my those are five that come to my quick because because Jared Allen Jared Allen for the uh, for the Vikings in 2008, I, I believe, was the Khalil Mack trade. Like that was that defense was was getting pretty good, but if you recall, they could not find a right defensive end to rush. Like they were looking for one forever, and guys sure. guys got sick or or like Erasmus James, they just stunk. And so that organization, part of a big part of why that, that team got to the uh, conference title game in 2009 was based on that Jared Allen trade. I probably put Robinson on the list over Allen because Allen was better, and Allen's this Allen was the best pass rusher in the NFL for a couple of years there. Brian Robinson's like the Michael Kadire of the Vikings, where he's he's not a Hall of Famer, and he might not even for Robinson. I don't That's know. He might not even go in the Ring of Honor, but just this steady, solid presence for a decade that. That saw good seasons, bad, and was this figurehead. And he consistently had somewhere around eight sacks. Yeah. Like he was never one of the elite players, but he yeah, Cuddy was, hit two seventy five. Yeah, and, he was he was very, very good. And and also just, you know, he had the right kind of personality too. 
he's very much a I'm from Texas type of guy. Yep. You know, drives the pickup truck and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But he would also do, you know, a lot of stuff with the community that it's almost like you hear so much about it that you tune it out. And I know that I'm guilty of this, too, when they send you a press release that says, you know, hey, one of their uh, players are doing something really cool in the community. You sort of go like, okay, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. Um, but the value to that is huge uh, that someone like B-Rob would put into Minnesota and really kind of make it his second home. So there's also that part of it. And then, you know, the fishing sack celebration. That's is, pretty good. That's tremendous. pretty good. Yeah, it's tremendous. Yep. So, so he kind of <laughs> he kind of checked all the boxes of having like the the production, how much he mattered to the locker room, and then also sort of embracing he, Minnesota, which people really love if you do that. He also spent some lean years talking a lot to us. Yeah. There was a, there were a couple yeah. really bad years there and and he he became a go-to guy. And the interesting thing with him, I'm not sure if fans care much about that. that but. I admired, but no, but it, it's it's an accountability thing that became a big deal to me. Sure, because it's a willingness to talk when when things aren't going well. The thing that I admired was he really he balanced that though with with you, you could tell he, he was he was upset, but he would still come out and answer questions. Yeah, I I think to that end that people notice that stuff maybe now more than they ever have of who are the guys who take that role and who, who the guys who are willing to be accountable and talk. And it really was interesting to me that last year he didn't talk as much because that was the year that if he wanted to sort of weasel his way into a lot more of the credit for them being the number one defense. And and he, he was a part of it. I mean, he played over 50% of the snaps, mm-hmm. I believe. So he was a big part of it. But if he wanted to like, hey, guys, now yeah. I'm here to talk and take all this credit for, like, let me talk about our number one defense. <laughs> and he really didn't do that. Not at all. Uh, even from the year before when he was starting, he kind of made made sure to let some of the other players who were now emerging stars, not that Daniel Hunter has a ton to say, but, you know, that, he kind of let Everson Griffin. Now you're going to be the guy who talks all the time to the media and things like that, which I, it was very subtle. And I'm sure that if you are just, you know, going to the games on Sunday as a fan, you don't really notice. But like you said, Jed, if you're in the locker room every day, you sort of respect like, okay, so you're not, you're not one of those guys that yeah. just, Oh, I want the attention, everything else. I, I think that B Rob is one of the guys who truly just loved the game and, and loved being here, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else picks him up. I mean, because I think he still yeah. can be effective. All right, three other names on the the post Randy Moss era. You know, who represents Vikings football? If you're if you're making a list of five, I'll throw these guys out here: John Sullivan, EJ Henderson, and Brett Favre. One year of basically one year of Brett Favre as as the the Vikings version of Jack Morris, who comes to well, Jack was born in Minnesota, so it's a little bit different, but. And he paid it off with a championship. I was say, yeah, keep so. going, keep going down that entire path. And it was finished the game that he started. Brett, Brett Favre. Brett Favre is sort of a knockoff one year of this incredible whirlwind dating romance, which which ultimately was completely dysfunctional because he forced the ball into the middle of the field. Um, but Favre was, I mean, to me that Favre year, that first year was so off the charts and it was so odd. Uh, Sullivan, I don't does not come to mind. EJ would if he would have if he didn't get hurt so badly, yeah. and that ended so quickly then because his true. leg was basically dangling. I mean that's as that's as gory of thing as I've seen during the course of a game. I think in the time I've covered the sport. 
So he, he did come back from that, though. Didn't he, he tried to, but it was kind almost of. impossible. Yeah, I, I mean his his leg was in terrible shape. He broke his femur, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I never even heard of that before. I never even heard of a someone femur? breaking their femur. You never heard of a femur? Before? No, no, I've never heard oh, of a broken like, femur. Right, right. Sixth grade biology. <laughs> wow, <laughs> come My on, goodness. Murph didn't do anything to you. Um, Savage. It, the the issue is he broke it, and and I recall the story from guys who were n- near him when, when he broke it heard it break. And so, like oh, everyone oh, was freaked gross. out completely, because it's because when it breaks, it really goes. Who was the uh, was it Tank Tank Williams? That was the kneecap. Where you, that, you could hear it. I could in hear the end that. Zone? Yeah, yeah. He Ugh. went up. He went up to break up a pass or something, and he came down. And I heard what sounded like I thought at, at first. I thought that his shoes had clicked together because it was just this quick click. And then I realized, oh my god, that was his kneecap. Oh, snap! That's snapping. So was that a camp? Yeah. Oh. In Mankato, close to an end zone to us, so we were down there. So he goes up to make this play, and he comes down, and you can hear this just quick click. And I realized that was the man's kneecap. That was not very good for my. Appetite who was the dude that. who blew both of his knees out? That uh, that uh, Arkansas wide receiver, Childs, right? Yeah, was it Greg Childs? Greg Childs, yeah. who played with Jerry's right? Correct. Wasn't it both yeah. patellar tendons? Yes. Yeah, he at he the had, same time he had he had snapped the patellar tendon the one in college and then he had come back and it, it was this long road back and it was the night scrimmage in Mankato and I didn't go but a pass was thrown to him and he base and he basically went to get it and came down and snapped them both there, there was a if you guys recall way back when there was a Bears receiver in a game in Philadelphia on the old turf there and I want to say his name was Wendell Davis or something did the exact same thing basically tore both knees on one play. So Kevin Cobb once hurt himself <laughs> slipping on a mat walking uh, to practice. Hmm. Yep. Did he fall on his butt? He, he actually had, or did he tear his knees? He had to miss time because he tweaked something. It was a. It was like wet. And he was walking across this mat. That's baseball, like right sort, there. And he sort of that happens slipped baseball. and tweaked something. Clint Barmus, yes. Clint Barmus was walking up steps with two grocery bags and fell backwards. And yes, was like out for the season because he hurt his back <laughs> yep. carrying groceries. There, there was the Marcus. I believe <laughs> that's it was, a baseball uh, injury. <laughs> exactly. Baseball. Baseball. Hey, baseball, hey, yeah, hey Skip, baseball. I'm done for the season. Football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the famous one is uh, Jeff Kent in the truck, like claiming that he was washing his truck and he like pulled something in his back. The other one that made me really question what actually happened there was DeMarco Murray claimed that he had dropped his cell phone. He was trying to catch it, and then he hurt himself that way. And it was like, really? Like, I know you got some quick twitch there, my friend, but re- right. like you really <laughs> pulled something. You didn't just like have it hit the floor and be like, oh, I can buy a new one because I have lots of money. Isn't that what they said about Bill Gates? That if Bill Gates saw a $5 bill on the ground or whatever it yeah. was, Walking around the streets of New York City, yeah. That if he were to bend over and pick up a five dollar bill, it wouldn't be worth his time. Or sure, maybe it was a twenty dollar bill. Four hundred, ridiculous. Cause he, like because he makes more per second. Yes. Than, yeah. But just continuing to walk forward yeah. and walking past yeah. cash on the ground. Hundred dollar bill on the ground. I don't need that. Yeah. Uh, we're still talking football. We can open up phone lines too if you guys have uh, thoughts on gruesome injuries or if you just want to call <laughs> in and make fun of us. Six five one six. Four six eight two five five. I'm just glad we haven't talked about the offensive line yet. I mean, I've been on. Do you for, want to or the kicker? We've stayed away from both. Yes, those. yes. And how thank, about that? Thank goodness for your mental health that we have stayed away from the kicker so far. But yes, we can get to <laughs> what is going on in the offensive line. I am starting to question whether they will add anyone else. Look, that's a tease right there. Mackie. You got no time.
the talent that uh, you know, some of the younger talent, obviously, you have to either say I'll be selfish and maybe take a roster spot, or you know, give somebody else an opportunity to you know live their dream. So it was pretty easy. Um, you know, everybody's asking me if I'm okay and all this. I'm like, uh, I'm good. You know, uh, I'm still in football. I'm still you know have an opportunity to, you know, chase a, a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, Terrence Newman. All right, Joe, this is, uh, the, if Matthew wants it, this is the window for Matthew to talk about the offensive line. So, of course he's going to take this it. This is your, this is your chance. Changes afoot. I don't know if they're going to look for anybody else at the moment. They might. Uh, the Miami Dolphins just cut a center, Travis Swanson, that sounds made up, uh, but he's a real player. And there have been a couple other guys to hit the market that, People haven't really heard of, so I don't need to go into all their details of, you know, Jonathan Cooper's. I think you fit. should. I I really think you should. <laughs> well, yeah, I am surprised that Jari Evans and Luke Jokel don't have jobs, considering the pathetic status of uh, offensive line play in the NFL. But that really says something, though. If a team cut an offensive lineman, like TJ Clemmings has a job right now. So if someone is cut and is a free agent and no one has picked them up, Mm -hmm. that really tells you where they stand. So when I look at the Vikings offensive line, they picked up Brett Jones, who I consider to be a a pretty decent player and better than what I actually thought um, they could get in a trade. I thought that they would get someone who was just a complete bus fire and be like, okay, well, you know, or, or a Jake Long who, yeah, he was good like 11 years ago and his knees are just barely held on with string and glue. Yeah. But you guys see Matt Khalil's whatever. out for the first eight weeks too. Yeah, yeah, I'm shocked by this, that out there too. Shocked by this news. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like the Giants cut John Jerry. I mean, Austin, John Jerry is a yeah, great offensive know, lineman. Name. Austin Howard is, is out there. He got let go by the Colts and he was a guy who was once quite good, but you know, I mean, he's 31 years old now and it's been a while. So there's another part of this, too, that they get Brett Jones. That might be their one move. But also Danny Isadora, they started playing him at center. And Mike Zimmer talked yesterday about how he really likes Isadora at center. And he said that that might actually be his position. Because I don't think that he quite had the the weight uh, to play guard. He would get you know plowed sometimes by guys, especially on a bull rush. But he might actually, because he is a, a decent athlete, might be a pretty decent center, at least for a backup. So if they feel like, okay, we've got a backup center in Isadora, Tom Compton is a veteran, he's been around, you're probably not going to find these rando free agents that are going to be better than than him. Uh, so other than that, you know, Aviant Collins is a guy that filled in and, and played a little bit. I think they like some of the things they saw with him and Brian O'Neill, that those guys will be your backups, and that's just kind of where we're at with this, and you have to hold on for dear life if anybody gets hurt. What's the offensive line Sunday? Jones at center in that game, probably. You'll be stunned that Mike Zimmer uh, would not reveal it because... I don't need him to because you, you know. know, because you're Matthew Collar. Well, I, you know, it, it's really two options here. Uh, I could see Brett Jones starting at left guard and Isidore at center because that's how it was in the fourth preseason game. And if Zimmer is praising Isidore at center, then it's possible that, that that's how it goes. Or it could be Brett Jones at center and Tom Compton at left guard because Compton started the entire preseason at left guard, and both of those guys are veterans. Isidore is only in his second year. Those are pretty much the two options. You're going to have Rashad Hill at right tackle and Riley Reef at left tackle, obviously. Um, so, And then at right guard, it's going to be Mike Remmers, and we'll see how that experiment goes. What makes Cousins on Sunday most comfortable? 
Like, what's what's the line? Because to, to me, the ultimate goal is that he can drop back in the pocket at least the first few passes and be confident. What makes him, do you think, the most comfortable to start with? Do you mean with strategy, or do you mean with, like, the offensive personnel. line combination? I mean personnel. Jones at center. Is Isidore, I mean, it's great if he's good there, but he just moved there. Well, well the one thing about Isidore is that he's been here. So it might be easier for him. He knows all the offensive line calls. He just has to make them. But it, Jones has just shown up a week ago, so filling in at left guard is probably going to be a little easier than center. Now, I consider center to be one of the most complicated positions that is, that's on the field. And Jones is a guy who's been around, so it's not that he couldn't do it, especially if uh, Kirk Cousins was making the protection calls. Um, but you know, I think that Isadora, having been here, probably makes him feel a little more comfortable. He's not going to feel any good, really, until Pat Elfline is back there. I mean, there is such a, a huge ocean-sized gap between starting NFL offensive linemen and what their backups are. And Pat Elfline proved last year that he's a guy that's going to be around for 10 years in the NFL because he, he's just a high-quality center, and until you get him back... Kirk Cousins can't feel comfortable. I feel like this game against the Niners is is more important than your average season opener because of the schedule that lies ahead, the uncertainty about the offensive line. It probably, even with a good offensive line, it probably takes a few weeks to get everything up to speed with a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator. If you can just find a way to win this game ugly, yeah. 16 to 10, like it really doesn't matter what they look like. Just get to Monday 1-0 and iron things out as your schedule gets tougher. Well, and I look at it as sort of the first five games of the season, just survive those games. Go three and two. I mean, just don't let this thing go completely off the rails. Because the only game that you can write in for sure, they're going to beat in Nathan Peterman's face, I'm sure, when the Bills come here. If he's even still starting. He might not be starting by if that point. But, but even better, though, right. because it, now, now you have a rookie quarterback. Yeah. It, yeah. Do, it doesn't matter. I mean, that game right now. Barring a complete meltdown of some kind, I would pick to be like thirty-six to three Vikings. I agree. The, bill, the Bills will not score ten points in that game. It's such an outrageous gap. And when they've faced bad quarterbacks before in U.S. Bank Stadium, they just murder them. So, so can you go two and two in the other four games? Exactly. Right? You've got to face the Rams and the Eagles in Week Four and Five. The Forty ers without Jarek McKinnon and Reuben Foster that hurts them, but they're still a really good team, and they have the brightest offensive mind in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan on the, on that side. And Jimmy Garoppolo went 5-0 and last year with them. So, uh, or won his last five. Did he lose, maybe lost his first game? Not, maybe no, 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 it was, was I believe they, they went 6-0 and in those games. I mean, I believe he played in or oh, started right. all got, of them. Yeah, he got, he won there was his, an injury, the, I think. his five starts, right. The, they got him in. But anyway, I mean, like, that's a testament to him and his talent, but also Kyle Shanahan and how smart he is. So you're going up against one of the best and, and brightest in the NFL in that week one. So it's going to be a great matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Mike Zimmer. Um, but then you have to go and play Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And so four out of those first five games are huge challenges. You're facing the best offensive mind, the best quarterback, the best defensive line, and then the other best defensive line. I mean, with the Rams adding Adamican Sue, that's a really tough start to the season. So if you could go three and two, then you're in good shape. Speaking of tough uh, games, Khalil Mack with the Bears now. What does that do to that dynamic? Because I the Bears had a good defense. Not great, but good. I expected them to take a step up. And now I, I was pretty convinced that the division went Vikings, Green Bay, Chicago. But where does Chicago now rank with, with that addition of a of a outstanding rushing defense play? Chicago is a really fascinating team because 
it's so hard to predict purely based on Mitch Trubisky. I think that they have a really smart head coach in Matt Nagy who comes from Andy Reid. And, you know, Andy Reid is, is kind of a Mike Zimmer type who has been able to adapt and stay with all the modern changes in the game, even though he's been around for quite some time. So this is his guy who is now going to bring a modern offense to what was an archaic offense last year in Chicago. And now there's a lot more weapons there. They've got two good running backs. They've got a wide, a rookie wide receiver who I really like, Anthony Miller. They, they had Allen Robinson. They had Trey Burton, who is a fantastic young tight end. They signed, The Vikings tried to sign him, and you know he ends up in Chicago. So then you put this incredible top 10 or 15 player in the NFL on a defense that was already in the top 10 last year. I mean, that sort of screams that this is going to be the team that goes from really awful to in the playoffs this year. It happens every single year where somebody goes worst to first, and I don't think that they could be first, but this is a division that could have three playoff teams. They get a last-place schedule. If if the NFC as a whole wasn't so just stacked with competent to really good teams, I would say, yeah, the, I, I'm, not, I'm not picking the Bears to make the playoffs because of the NFC's depth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if if you're if you're looking at weak links in each division in the NFL and the Bears, let's just say the Bears or the Lions are the weak link in the NFC North, and both those teams you could make a playoff case for. Because I could make a case for Matt Stafford and offense and eight and eight or nine and seven Lions any year, the last five or six. The only division I might put ahead of this one, and I wouldn't I wouldn't die on this hill, is the NFC East because I think the Giants take a step forward. You get the Eagles at the top of it. Dallas, I think, makes the playoffs. The Giants are going to be formidable. And then Washington with Alex Smith. Those are two divisions without a real true bottom-feeding weak link. I mean, this this just tells you how tough the NFC is. And it's just like sick irony for Vikings fans that you've built a legitimate Super Bowl-caliber team. And, oh, yeah, a bunch of other teams have, too. Because when you look at the NFC South, I mean, I don't trust Norv Turner. But I did think... To myself the other day, how funny would it be if Norv Turner like found Jesus in the offseason or the, the year <laughs> off that he had? It was just like, I've been wrong this whole time. <laughs> like, gosh, these other guys have been doing all this stuff, and I'm going to go find out Scott, what it is. Scott, come here. Yeah. I've got new well, ideas. And and that is that is the thing, that he's he's got his son coming with him, and you know you never know. Maybe he's all of a sudden become a little more modern. At one time, he's this great offensive mind. So... Um, but I don't expect Carolina to be a great team. Uh, other than that, though, Atlanta could definitely bounce back and be much better. Uh, that you know, in, in New Orleans is a Super Bowl contender right there too. Tampa Bay is the only team I don't really trust, but then they've got better themselves. So I mean, you have all sorts of arguments for uh, almost every division. I mean, even the West is is not a joke. Uh, Arizona could be decent. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to be great, but they could be competitive and, and not just a team that you roll over. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this early Viking schedule because if you get through it at 3-2, and two, it's not like it gets a lot easier. It's just that when you continue to face really hard teams week after week and you yeah. get Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, uh, that you're basically looking to just kind of survive these chunks of the season and hope it adds up to 10 wins and you get in the playoffs. So in the AFC, there's like five teams that I am 90% sure are not going to make the playoffs. I think there's one team like that in the NFC, and it's the Buccaneers. Yeah. I really think the, the the if you said, all right, look at the 16 teams in the NFC, and you have to put your entire life savings on one of them to not make the playoffs, or or on three of them to not make the playoffs, 
I'd only feel comfortable with one of them. It'd be the Tampa Bay Bucks. And even the Bucks made a lot of improvements in the offseason on their defensive side, especially. And the other thing about them now, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be their starting quarterback. But I would say the one thing about that is that their previous leader going into the season, I think, is the worst guy to have at quarterback in the entire NFL and Jameis Winston. So if you're talking about their culture and sort of who's leading them now, they have a 1,000% better person yep. leading them, which makes them even more competitive with a, with a better defense, in my mind. I know Winston put up big fantasy stats last year, but if you look at their game against Minnesota, they're down 20-something points, and he's putting up 280 yards. That was his season last year. So even even that, you can make an argument that they're a little bit stronger than they were last season. Teddy. Teddy would, would have been perfect there. Yeah, I know. And I would still, I, I, I think, I think after 2018, if you're Tampa, you go back to that well and yeah. try and, and sign him. He makes too much sense there. He's from Florida. He's a good guy. If he's healthy, he, he's a good quarterback. Everything that Jameis Winston doesn't bring as a person, he would bring. Did Jameis, he never signed a contract, right? He's just on his rookie deal Correct. still. Yep. So they're yeah. not owed, they're not owing him 20 plus million dollars. They could just cut bait on him. And, and if I'm them, I'm letting him walk yep. and I'm continuing to build that roster and I am not pouring $30 million a year, $35 million a year into a joker like him who's going to embarrass my franchise. And every single time that this guy has said, oh, you know, he, he's got everything fixed now. He's on the, the straight and narrow. He does something else to make a joke of his organization. Mm-hmm. And he has from Florida State on. I would never, ever, ever want this guy leading my team, not for two seconds. Yeah. I would rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick for a decade than have Jameis Winston for five <laughs> and minutes. that, my friend, is saying something. That, that is, Eat that those is, W's, boys. Eat those W's. That's when I knew it was... The guys are just a complete joke. They're, they're a team that really, I mean... How do you even do that? You cross your uh, ring finger and your middle finger. Okay. You oh, probably have to yeah. do it with it's your the, other hand. It's the west side. Thing. I'm just time right together and okay. then extend your pinky and your uh, and your index CGI, finger. You got it. Oh, this, is, this is hard are to do. Are you okay? No, uh, it if hurts. You, Turn it sideways yeah. if and you, now stick it in your mouth. It's slipping. Wait. Yeah. We're, we're still talking about... Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, if you, Judd, had grown Better up, for the visual than Human the audio. resources, please, the program director <laughs> just offended me. If you had grown like up a uh, in the 90s, Judd, then you would have been much better at this. because the East Side, West like, Side? It was like, yeah, like East Side, West Side, like Snoop Dogg and Tupac and so Thank, forth. Thankfully, I didn't grow up. When we come back, Judd's going to talk East Side, West Side rappers from the 1990s. In fact, I never grew up, and that's the key to my life, Matthew Collar. Uh, let's do some stuff here next. Uh, Murph, what do you got for us? What's your favorite thing coming up next? Uh, well, in breaking stuff news, I've learned that head coaches don't like talking about their quarterback situations. All right, we'll definitely do that. Uh, we watch all of our sports on a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV. Best picture quality you're going to find in a TV. Go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and just stare at one of these bad boys. I was watching, I've been watching more golf, in part because watching golf in 4K picture quality on a TCL is uh, amazing. The built-in Roku is great too. I was actually uh I was watching an independent wrestling pay-per-view over the weekend on the Fight platform. All in it was called. And so it's just another example of the thousands and thousands of things you can find with that built-in Roku device which we take advantage of in this studio on a regular basis. Uh you can also just go to any search engine, go to Google and type in TCL TV reviews if you're wondering, I don't really know much about these TCL TVs. Well, the reviews will set you straight. They're all positive, spoiler alert. 
And uh, TCLUSA.com is another good resource. So there's a reason why it's America's fastest growing team. What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. All right, Murph, what type of stuff do you have for us? Uh, Let's start here. It turns out head coaches get a little prickly when asked to discuss their quarterback situations. First of all, I appreciate y'all putting words in my mouth this week, and uh, therefore, I'm not going to discuss it. How were words put in your mouth? You saw the reports. Next question. Next question. Who here put the words in? Next question. What is the point of this? I mean, exactly. What is the point of this? It's my decision. And you're not going to discuss your decision. No. So why are you having not publicly? Not publicly. I don't do that. I don't do it with any position on this team. Okay, but I will not do it. That was that was Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. What is wrong with football coaches? (laughs) It eats them up. It eats them up. Wait, wait, really wait, you going to roll into the next one, too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, because, we, okay, because yeah. this is all one big bundle of stressed out millionaires. This is uh, this is uh, Nick Saban. All right, Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. Like, okay, if you're a football coach, and both of these guys, mind you, are coming off championship seasons, right, in which their backup quarterback brought a ring and more exposure to their respective programs. Yep. Just be happy. Put a smile on your face. For God's sakes. Answer the question normally. Like right. these the, are not, the saving thing was this ridiculous. A, this whole thing, like it or not, for the most part, except for the rare exception, is a game. It's a game. Play the game. Saban's a control freak, and he's nuts. Peterson, I, I covered for two years in Green Bay, and this was as nice a guy as you could possibly find. He's actually a good guy. I think in, in his case, though, the pressure has mounted so much that it's just started to eat him up internally. They want a Super Bowl. And that's Bowl. why he comes well, off no that way. There's no pressure anymore. They want I think a Super Bowl. He, no, but I'm saying I think the pressure to repeat. I think the pressure. Oh, God. That answer, that answer from him. I mean, you, it, this is the Philadelphia media. They are going, and by the way, they want to fight you. Like they want, they want to verbally spar. They, they, when you get up there and get mad, they love it. Well, what, what, what is he talking about? So he's saying, let's play well, the Peterson one again yeah. here, Murph. What is he even talking about? First of all, I appreciate y'all putting words in my mouth this week, and uh, therefore, I'm not going to discuss it. How, how were words put in your mouth? You saw the reports. What report? Next question. Next question. Who here put the words in? Next question. What's the point of this? I mean, exactly. What is the point of this? It's my decision. And you're not going to discuss your decision. No. So why not are you public, having a not publicly? Oh. Not publicly. Get Don't me. do that. Let's Don't do it with any position on this team. My God. I will not do it. Yeah, it's the quarterback. Imagine it's making that tackle. much money and having that much success and having that big of a stick up your you-know-what. Well, I mean, Mike Zimmer wouldn't reveal when Sam Bradford was going to start Week 2 against the Packers, even though Mike McCarthy was on the conference call with the Minnesota media saying, oh, yeah, we think it's going to be Sam Bradford. We're good. So yeah. we're, we're preparing for Sam. Like, And if we, we have even, to prepare for Sean Hill, then... Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Oh, the, good luck uh, to the, them. The other 
team's coach is already saying, like, yes, we know who's starting. We're preparing for him and everything else. And, it, right, if it's a Sean Hill curveball, then you got us. <laughs> but I, 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 I think it has to do mostly with just the hours that these people put in and the amount of pressure that they have and fear for their jobs. Like, you, you and I could sit here all day and be like, <laughs> I mean, Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl. Or we could say, Mike Zimmer is, like, the most loved coach in the right. league right now. But those guys don't think that. And they're all working from 7 o'clock in the morning until in a vacuum. 11 o'clock exactly at night. Right. right. Exactly. Yes. In a vacuum. And and that leads to my, my idea. And I am offering up my services right now. $1 million per year. I will become your media coach. Not your PR guy. I'm not dealing with the press. But I will go into Zimmer's office or whomever and say, here's what you say today in your press conference. Don't worry about it. Here's what you say. Here's what you say to the follow-ups, and then we're done. Has anyone been asking for this service? Or no, but these people, clearly, into- these people clearly can't digest or articulate or handle. This is this is all a, a game. The, the quarterback is the most important position in all of sports, so don't ever, ever, ever tell the, these people, I don't talk about the running back, so I'm not... You sound like an idiot. But it's yeah. also not that important in the grand scheme of life to sure. get that mad if you're in those guys' Which shoes. Which is why you need me. So it's such a lack of Media perspective. Coach well, again. The other thing, too, that, that Maria Taylor uh, interview, she did everything she could to ask the question in a way that would get the best answer. Yeah. I thought the way she phrased it was perfect. She's and, great at her job. And you don't always, you don't get two shots at that. It's it's like you just have to say whatever you're going to say and and hope it works out and she said it perfectly. What did what did you learn today? And he still got that way. But from her perspective, she tweeted out something like just doing my job. Every one of us didn't you? What did uh, children say to you, Judd? He was going to drink, drink a vodka, vodka the size, size of your head. head. Yeah. I mean, every single one of us has had a coach snap at us. Yesterday, a reporter asked Mike Zimmer who was starting at center, and his answer was, Not you. Thanks, Mike. Just glad I'll tell my family I won't be having to get to the stadium early. Yeah, this, this is how it goes, and I think everybody sort of understands like this is the deal, and uh, I think all was fair there with both sides, that the media is fair to ask, like, Peterson, who are you talking about? Yeah. So a few quarterback starter decisions were made over the Labor Day weekend. So let's hear from our guy, Doug, again. After consideration and everything and about the football team and, and, and this decision, uh, Nick Foles is a starter uh, week one. But I wanted you to hear it from me. It is about the football team in the best interest of you know, the 53. And uh, Nick Foles will be my starter uh, week one. Was it the same day? No. no. I was, I think, a couple days later. Oh, okay. So Monday. He, okay. Yeah. He, he took some time to, to catch his breath. But other... <laughs> so he comes back and like then, an hour later. All right. Saban apologized, too, also to right. uh, Maria Taylor. They both regained their composure after a couple days. Um, so Nick Foles in Philly. The other quarterbacks who won starter jobs include uh, Nathan Peterman in Buffalo after they part ways with A.J. McCarron. Good for Nathan Peterman, man. And- <laughs> Keep, keep, I love the name. Just keep on great name. And uh, Sam Darnold in New York uh, took or is the starter over veteran Josh McCown. Um, the Darnold thing, I, I would have put the Jets on a sneaky flirtation with playoffs if Teddy Bridgewater were their starting quarterback. Instead, they traded him, and now they're probably going to go four and twelve with a rookie. But we'll see what happens long term with him. him. Yep, I, I think that I, I would have started. I would have given Teddy the job. Darnold's what twenty one. Yeah, he could have said he could have sat there and learned. 
why I don't understand, as I said before, the need to rush a guy in. I don't well, get it. They, they, Give they, him some chance. Well, they get a third round draft pick. Yeah, which so is, they wanted. A, it's their only chance to get a third round draft pick for Teddy Bridgewater because he's a free agent. So they said third round pick is more valuable than apparently slow cooking Sam Darnold. But there really is no science to this though, because when you go through quarterback by quarterback, you can't really find any sort of correlation between well, this guy sat and this guy didn't, especially because. The high high percentage of the top draft picks they start right away, so you could go well. This guy busted, but then you know Andrew Luck was thrown right into the fire and he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, with Darnold, the one thing that he has shown since USC that I really liked about him around draft time is who he is as a person, his love for the game, his dedication to the game, and what you've seen even in preseason is. He's doing some advanced things already because he's farther ahead than you would expect a 21-year-old to be. He takes a professional mentality to the game even when he was at USC, which does not always happen for college quarterbacks. Even though he looks like he just woke up after drinking all night and has like some odd substance that in his hair. That could be the hair. case, too. So Mackie and I were obviously excited about the Gophers' excellent victory over vaunted New Mexico State yeah. squad. That's one of the top 120 college football teams in the country, well, you and they destroyed it too, them. James, man, you nailed that right. That <laughs> Got prediction. Got Great work. Really going. I love how James swung for the fences the two weeks prior, and then yeah. he's like, "Actually, I'm just going to square up. I needed to change my approach. I <laughs> There's a, a shift. I'm going to bunch against it. Right. Exactly. But uh, unfortunately. Judd wasn't able to enjoy that. As you may remember, Judd adopted a new NCAA football team, the Miami Hurricanes, who promptly got destroyed on Sunday night by LSU. Judd, your thoughts on a terrible decision to abandon your University of Minnesota Golden Gophers in favor of an 0-1 team? I'm looking for a third team now. I'm done with the Gophers. Hurricanes are out, too. Navy's still there. Navy's still there. And they won big, right? I don't. I should have gone no with idea. them. I should have gone with them. Did they win big state? Was for Navy. I don't yeah, know why. We, yeah, you should have just picked Navy. I, now I know now we let I the people I pick for you. But, I wish I had. You know, can we just can we allow Judd Mulligan? Can he pick Navy? If we all agree, my Miami team. Oh, they're not good. <laughs> they're not good right now. Navy is sure. uh, still running the 1935 okay. offense too. I'm all in. Works well. I, I was gonna try. I was gonna go for a joke about how we, uh, if we, if we had Judd as a Navy fan, anytime I talk about how Kaepernick should have a job, we could be like, "Hey, we support the military." Judd's a Navy yeah. fan. <laughs> 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 I know there's, you know, maybe some feeling that I was involved on in a day-to-day negotiation. I, I had nothing to do with it. So, yeah, right. uh, we were at a we were at a standoff, and um, something had to happen, and uh, here we are. That was Raiders head coach John Gruden on the decision to trade Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. That, that was Al Pacino playing John Gruden, <laughs> is what that was. Uh, the move. I know there's, you know, maybe some feeling that I was involved. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's happened to his voice? It went down. It's, like, even, it's like a, it is a bad Gruden impression by Gruden himself. The move's been pretty much ripped by everybody nationally. Uh, it's in, definitely going to be an interesting start to Gruden's second stint with the Raiders. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I feel, like, I feel like Gruden is going to, the first time around, he was this innovative, yeah. young, swashbuckling coach, and I now it's just going to be, be right. a blaze of glory the next two or three years, and then he'll get fired. I think that might be exactly How long right. did they, it's a five-year contract? Ten years. It's a ten-year ten contract. Years. Well, then he can he can get a, a executive position <laughs> so, and kick himself upstairs. It's really It's a really fascinating situation, because in one way, they haven't gone to Vegas yet, so they can't pay the money up front, or they don't have the cash yeah. to pay the money up front. That's one of the arguments that's sort of been out there that leaked. 
but you can't let one of the 10 or 15 best players in the NFL just walk out of your building for almost nothing. I mean, yeah, okay, draft picks or whatever, right? But if the Bears are even decent, the, the odds of those draft picks becoming anywhere close to as valuable as Khalil Mack are about zero. Could you not go to a bank, though, and say, in one year, we are moving from this pit of a stadium in Oakland to Vegas. We would like a massive loan to keep Khalil Mack. John, I got bad news. What's up? Chris Long just texted a screenshot of the Navy game from the oh, weekend. Oh, no. Yeah? They gave up 59 points and lost to Hawaii. How's their kicker, though? Oh, Hawaii's tough. Hawaii's, they, they got the great offensive system. It I'm was not, a road game. Run and shoot? I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Such June, a great system. June Jones has a great system there. Or whomever <laughs> he's coaching. still there. He's or, still I have no clue. I have no, no idea. You know who has a great system? Up. It's Luther Brookdale Toyota has a great system. Innovative system. <laughs> I don't know if they run Wishbone in that service department or run and shoot, or is it Air Coriel? I don't know, but they have great, great people. Uh, in fact, here's a sports analogy for you guys. Hashtag sports analogy. About five or six years ago, they opened up this brand new facility, the uh, the old one, Toyota City, which was down the street. Uh, they've they've expanded by like five times the work stalls. They've got a play area and complimentary snacks and drinks. Not alcoholic, but you know. Uh, and you also have seven workstations, a lounge area, two massive 70-inch flat-screen TVs. It's just a great, great place to put some of the best people in the industry and some of the best, most durable cars. It would be like if you finally gave the Tampa Bay Rays an actual stadium or the Oakland A's. I mean, that's kind of uh, it's the perfect combination and perfect collection on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. It's Mackie and Judd. What appeals to you about your new punter? Well, he had a good preseason. Um, you know, he didn't punt today, but uh, he did a nice job holding. So uh, he did a nice see, job his holding. Hang time was really good. His average was good. So um, we just didn't feel like we were punting very well in the preseason. You had to get the scoop guy to ask that question, Collar, because you didn't. You didn't Guys, care enough. He did a nice job. Well, you know, he's a good holder. He didn't drop the ball when it came his way from the long snap. Laces uh, out? Laces out? Laces wasn't in. That was yes. when Blair Walsh yes. missed that 27-yarder. Oh that, that, that was Jeff Locke. But yes. the laces were definitely facing Blair Walsh, yeah, right? and we tried to bl- we, we initially tried to blame that. And it wasn't even like, oh, they were kind of, like, he just flat out, the, he just got nervous and decided, I'm just going to put the ball down, and it's cold. It was cold outside that day. Yeah. <laughs> did a good job holding this guy, though. He's a good holder. <laughs> did a good job holding. I, I mean, our other punters sucked at kicking it. What do you think? Like, but did he, okay, did, did we, because I feel like the stat that was cited all year was Ryan Quigley never kicks touchbacks. Yeah. He pins you every time. Yeah. So I, what was what was wrong about that framing of Ryan Quigley. I think that Quigley did do a nice job last year, despite the yards per punt, which is an antiquated stat. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, but, um, you know, when when you look at what he was able to do with the situational stuff, they often move the ball on offense, so they were punting usually from kind of the middle of the field area. They weren't usually punting from way back. Um, he did... He, did pretty well at it, but I, I think in, in preseason they had a number of punts that were returned really well by the other team. I think they gave up a punt return for touchdown, and the one thing watching is you don't know what the punter is supposed to do on a particular play. 
So maybe the punter is supposed to boom it as far as he can to the left on that play or to the right. And if he doesn't do that, then it screws up the entire coverage. And it looks like it's the coverage's fault, but it might have been the punter. It's really hard to know. And I've never really gone and asked, hey, so was the punter supposed to kick it over there or over there? But, you know, so you got the, the football. You thing. got it. Yeah. yeah. If you want to go ahead. You don't dissect football. Football, football. yeah. Football. We need a special teams one day. Special teams, yeah. special caps. Like this is next level football when so, you're breaking down the holding abilities of your punter. It's it's not personal. <laughs> I really liked Ryan Quigley. Like he's a super nice guy. But it's like I don't know. I mean, how am I supposed to know if this new punter's going to do any better? Oh, well, I, I guess that's my question about ju- <laughs> judging based off preseason and saying how oh, we really didn't get, didn't get great punting in the preseason. So okay, you're going to cut your starting punter while you're only punter. How sure are you that the next guy? Aren't you just shuffling punters? Yeah, and it's but isn't it's that just, what you're doing? Of course. Just, how yes. do you know that it's anything other than shuffling punters? It's just you something you that just I pulled a guy that someone else cut, right? I could not possibly have an opinion on it though. Like that's the thing. I, just, I like could not find my way into some sort oh, come of punter on. opinion. You can have an opinion. No, I can't. I can't. I got nothing for you. This guy, I guess he kicked it real far in, in preseason, and the other guy didn't. I don't know. Actually, I think I just figured out the pecking order. You should do it when we come back. Make Matthew Collar come up with 10 punter opinions in his checking <laughs> order. Uh, and he's got one, too. This, this is total uh, BS. Ryan Garbage. Ryan Quigley was 34, but looked like he's 21. It's really young You know face. what I think is? Is he really 34? Yeah, young face. How long has he been in the NFL? <laughs> A while. He's 34. So Ryan Quigley was in the NFL for like 10 years? Yeah, he was like with the uh, Colts or something, right? For a few years uh, and Jets. bounced around? Yep, the Jets. Yeah, Jets. Okay, if, you would, have, if, if you would have asked That's Vikings fans, just... All, all of Vikings fans, how many years, last year, how many years has Ryan Quigley been in the NFL? Yeah. Or when was his first year? Actually, it looks like 2012 was his first year. Yeah. Okay, maybe he's not 34. He's 28. What are you <laughs> talking about? Why lying. don't you know your punters? <laughs> Why don't you know your punters? Special teams! I feel like you just, you just diminished... You just diminished two full years of Vikings credit credibility with your Here's what I blatant lies about I, Ryan Quigley's here, age. I had no idea. Here's how the move. Was. The move is, is a deflection. They're so concerned about Carlson, but they couldn't cut oh him that they cut the punter instead. The punter paid the price. Maybe Quigley and Kai Forback. You can't were, handle the kicker. They were so close that Quigley was devastated and stopped doing the holding good. It's just like no <laughs> laces toward you, You're bitch. <laughs> laces toward you, bitch. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet on fifteen hundred ESPN.